Welcome to CDS Insight Podcast, presented by LSCSU China Development Society, featuring vibrant intellectual conversations among students, professionals, and entrepreneurs. Hello, and welcome to the CDS Insight Podcast. I am Violet, the Vice President at China Development Society. I'm Evelyn, Officer of CDS. We are going to hold today's interview together. In today's episode, we are going to talk about impact investing, an investment strategy that produces social and environmental benefits as well as financial returns. Viola will be responsible for the first half of the interview, and I am going to take the second part. Yes, and we are honored to have with us Professor Hans Peter Lankes, visiting professor at LSE Grenham Institute. Prior to this, Professor Lankes was a vice president of economics and private sector development at the International Finance Corporation. Hi, Professor Lankes, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Professor Lankes, would you mind briefly introducing yourself to those who's not familiar with you yet? Yes, I'm happy to. So,、uh, as you've said already, I'm、uh, Hans Peter Langes. I'm a visiting professor in practice at the Grantham Institute at LSE,、uh, and also senior fellow at the International Growth Center. And、um, until earlier this year, I was、uh, with the IFC in Washington. The IFC is a part of the World Bank group that focuses on the private sector. And、um, in that capacity, actually, we we were very engaged in impact investing. The, the development finance institutions are impact investors by design,、uh, and also launched a private、uh, sector-focused impact investing initiative.、Um, and prior to that, I worked with the EBRD that was in London,、uh, and with the IMF、uh, in Washington. So I have a bit of a history with international financial institutions. And、I got my my PhD in economics and government、um, uh, at uh, at Harvard University. Great, thanks. Now, I think first of all, let's have an overview of today's topic, which is impact investing.、Um, and Professor Lankes, could you explain the central idea of impact investing and what defines and differentiates impact investments? Yeah, that's a good、uh, question. That the The term impact investing is、uh, was coined、uh, about 15 years ago, and、uh, they they credit a meeting that was led by the Rockefeller Foundation、uh, in Bellagio that came up with this term, and and it kind of caught on, and has since、um, uh, I think become quite、uh, widespread, and it's a very rapidly growing market. Initially, impact investing was understood primarily as a philanthropic、uh, form of investing, but that has changed over the last few years, and it become has become increasingly a form of market investing with a purpose, and that purpose would typically be aligned with the SDGs, with the、um, Sustainable Development Goals.、Uh, I mean, you could have a purpose to to、uh, You know, <clears throat> manufacture more weapons, and and that would typically not be called impact investing.、Um, there isn't actually a a rule book for that, but I think those in the market generally understand it to be、um, a purpose that is aligned with the SDGs. So impact investment seeks both financial returns and social or environmental impact, as you have said. 
So there's a double bottom line which differentiates it. And for impact investing, there is also by now a consensus that you need three things. Um, you need an intent to invest for impact. You need to make a contribution, which means it wouldn't have happened without your participation, or it wouldn't have happened in this form. And you need measurement. So you need to be able to show that you've actually achieved impact. There has to be something that can be uh, measured. And that differentiates impact investing, or these three criteria differentiated from the more general ESG investing, which is a strategy which is now very common. There, there's more than $20 trillion worth of assets that are managed for ESG or for responsible investing. There are other categories in the market, but they tend to be compliance focused and not active strategies to achieve impact with intent, contribution and measurement. So and I, I, I refer to this uh, initiative that IFC uh, was very heavily involved with to create uh, what we called operating principles for impact management um, in 2019. And uh, that sets out a broader range of factors that impact investing ought to consider in order to prevent impact washing, uh, it prevent sort of uh, 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 just the appearance or, or the label being abused. And those principles, they look at the whole life cycle of a investment. Uh, so it matters not only what the investment does, but also um, how you exit, for instance. Uh, and of course, what you do during uh, your, your ac active uh, investment engagement during the life of the investment. And verification is very important. So those are uh, factors that all differentiate and define impact investing. And while there is no um, uh, sort of regulatory authority yet that has taken this on, uh, there is a, a growing convergence towards these types of uh, criteria. Thanks. That's a very comprehensive explanation. So uh, I think we've seen that impact investing has been growing exponentially over the recent decade. So what has changed and kind of catalyzed the revolution into the impact investing? Yes, it's been growing very rapidly. And I was looking at the, the numbers uh, again now. So my colleagues over at the IFC World Bank, they are uh, producing an annual report on the impact investing market. And it's very much in line with what some other sources provide. So they estimate the market now, it's something on the order of $650 billion of assets under management specifically with an impact purpose. And um, if you go back uh, 10 years or so, it was uh, in the double digits, and if you go back 20 years, it was non-existent. So it is a, a very rapidly growing market. Um, so what's behind that? To my mind, there is in part sort of a growing awareness, both ecologically and socially, um, because uh, our economies are not delivering the outcomes that we um, that, that most of us would want uh, ecologically in terms of climate, um, economically in terms of the income distribution and, uh, and other factors. And because that those are growing problems, 
there is a growing consciousness on the part of societies uh, that you know something needs to happen. So I think that is an important part. The fact that uh, quite a bit of impact investing has been at least originally focused on the climate area, environmental area, um, is sort of a, an expression of that. It's part of the growing awareness of the climate crisis that we're facing. Uh, and somehow that economies and markets are not by themselves dealing with this uh, the way we would want it. Then you have a second factor. And by the way, this, this first factor, and I think especially when it comes to inequality of the like, was almost certainly reinforced by the global financial crisis uh, 10, 12 years ago, because that had a very, very strong um, uh, impact, of course, on, on the poor in many, in many countries, on, on inequality, on the perceived uh, sort of unfairness of the, the financial system, et cetera. Um, but there's another factor, which is, has to do with generational change. And uh, there are a bunch of really interesting uh, surveys done by the financial sector about the um, preferences, priorities, uh, values of their investor base. And what they find is that there's a steep increase in the um, uh, in, in attitudes uh, towards um, uh, impact among younger generations. So the the millennial generation and now generation Z are uh, much more interested, much more inclined to invest with a purpose than the baby boomer generation, which is mine or, or um, others before it. Uh, and this is not just a matter of a few percentage points. That shift is huge. And um, I was I'm just doing a, a report for, for World Economic Forum on this. And so just to give you a number, um, according to one survey that was reported in the Financial Times, 87% um, of millennials want to work for a company that engages in corporate responsibility. 65% only buy from responsible companies and 43% engage in impact investing. Now that's a survey among um, asset holders. So this is not, this is not a, uh, representative sample of populations, but it's a representative sample of uh, individuals with some money to invest. Uh, and then you compare the 43% with the corresponding number for the baby boomers, that's 12%. So within a very short period of time in generational terms, we've moved from a relative lack of interest among the baby boomer generation to a very significant interest among the millennials. And millennials are beginning to inherit. And that is um, putting uh, the, this issue on the agenda with wealth managers and uh, the institutional investors more generally. And this is what's really driving it uh, in my view uh, very strongly, the demand from the investor base. And that demand has to do with a generational shift in, in, in who holds the wealth. 
Thanks. I think that's a very like interesting catalyzer that you explained. And now I think we've kind of understand the big picture. Let's dive a little bit further and look at some of the challenges of the methodology. Um, so impact. The impact is to address themes or serve segments of the community that the market on its own won't be able or willing to address. So part of the issue targeted by impact investing represent market or government failures. So what's the role of private sector and government in response to tackling these market failures? Um, and do you think that the government should take the leading role to redefine the regulatory and the fiduciary roles? Yeah. See, that's actually not an easy question. Um, because I'm not sure that market failure fully describes it. It would be kind of an interesting project for... Uh, an economist um, like you uh, or your colleagues to uh, to sort of try to capture that. I'm not aware of a very systematic study of um, you know what enables impact to happen that doesn't happen spontaneously. Is this uh, market failures? Um, if it were market failure, then in many cases, an impact investing would never become profitable on its own unless it were subsidized or unless you know, there, would have, there would be some interventions. Uh, and that's kind of what we associate with the philanthropic investing. If we look at investment that's, um, that has returns that are comparable to non-impact investing returns, then uh, it's it will typically not be a classic market failure that, this, that, that is behind this. And let me just give you, because uh, we, we did a study at some point of the um, returns to the financial returns to impact investing uh, at the IFC. And the IFC has a portfolio going back 60 years. It's a very complete portfolio with, uh, with a lot of information uh, about uh, the returns to these investments. And um, the outcome, comparing this with benchmarks in the market, MSCI benchmarks uh, and uh, for, for equity and, and MB uh, and the, the relevant um, uh, selection of uh, benchmarks for debt, what you get is that uh, equity uh, slightly outperforms the market and debt is in line with the market. So the fact that IFC, like other development institutions, has a mandate to invest for impact and to measure impact, it's been always, it's, this is by design the case, has not reduced its financial returns compared with non-DFI investments. So that's an interesting fact. So now going back to your question then, it's primarily a strategy. Impact investing is a strategy where you choose your investments from a pool of viable investments. And that choice reflects your value system, which then differs from say the spontaneous choices or the spontaneous allocation that the markets are making. That's sort of one thing. It's, uh, it's that there's a pool of possibilities and you, you look for particular, um, you make a particular selection of that pool. 
Second issue here is that um, there are some markets that are simply underdeveloped. So in many developing countries, say the, the, uh, uh, the equity markets is, is very underdeveloped. Both private and public equity markets are very underdeveloped. So there is not actually a, a market um, that would be investing uh, the way that, that we want. And then it's also true that impact investing uh, involves, it involves an act to search uh, is that if the market doesn't do that, is that a market failure? I don't know. But it involves an active search. It, it, it involves very often the creation of opportunity. So it kind of goes one step upstream, if you want, uh, of the investment decision very often, not just a sort of waiting for the investment to walk through the door. Um, it usually involves a willingness to be more patient um, and to wait for your returns and to take also to take more risks than uh, would be typical in the market. Um, and perhaps sometimes these risks or perhaps the perception of risk can represent market failures. They can represent information failures. For early movers, for instance, early movers may be deterred from, from uh, going forward because they lack information that if somebody else went ahead, they would gain and then they would be, they would, uh, might go into the market. Um, but so, so the first mover, uh, issues surrounding the first movers uh, are a form of um, market failure sometimes. Um, coordination failures uh, might be there. So you take, for instance, gender investment. If you want to invest for impact with gender, say, the credit line for, um, uh, or fi finance equity uh, for uh, women entrepreneurs. Well, often women entrepreneurs are just, there's a perception that they do not have the skills, um, but those are conventions. Those are traditional ways of viewing things. We know in fact that that's not true. Uh, so if you go into a market which is being held back by, by perceptions that are outdated, well, you have a certain advantage over the market, okay? So I'm mentioning all these different factors because impact investing, I think it can be any of these uh, or all of these uh, factors. And with, with that is often quite similar uh, to technology investing or, or venture capital investing. It is about going early where the market is not yet present for a variety of reasons or where the market is underweight for a variety of reasons. But then by doing that over time, you actually grow the market and the mainstream might follow. Uh, and that's what you see in technology investing all over the place, right? You take certain risks uh, and, uh, and then you create the market by doing that. Um, and then sometimes it's, uh, you were also asking for government. Uh, yes, so if you take the climate area, um, clearly for renewable energies, there was a lot that the government had to do for renewable energies to, to grow uh, the regulatory framework and, uh, you know, feed in tariffs or, or you know, offtake agreements with, uh, with uh, state-owned utilities and the like. And, um, and those things, uh, once, once they happened, they opened the market and impact investing might have been necessary early on 
But by now, the renewables market, for instance, in China is huge. This is a mainstream market by now. Yeah? So maybe initially there's an aspect um, that uh, uh, of, of information, of risk, um, of persistence that impact investors bring over time, this would open up. And I think that's, um, uh, that is, is probably will be typical for impact investing. Thank you for your insightful comment. And then let's also talk about, you know, some of the challenges in emerging markets like China and India, both with very large population base. And the problem is that pure philanthropy does not have sufficient resources, nor does the impact investing group have sufficient investment capital to deliver solutions at the skill needed. So as impact investing transitions away from its philanthropic roots, which was not scalable, how can it evolve into a you know, more market-based mechanism that allow investors to find a more balanced approach to demonstrate clear results at a skill? Yeah. Um, as I said uh, just now, in some sense, I would expect impact investing always to be somewhat pioneering. So I cannot see impact investing as being the, um, the mainstream. Uh, in a sense, um, it cannot be. Uh, it will be opening directions and then the market can follow. And in very rapidly evolving markets like China and India, that is going to be even more true. Yeah. Um, I see in both China and India a lot of scope for technology-based development solutions. And uh, although I don't have really an overview of uh, impact investing um, in China or India, I would suspect uh, as it grows that technology will play a role uh, in there. And that's because there has been a whole lot of progress uh, in both countries homegrown, uh, in homegrown technologies, uh, say for uh, health, it's a fantastic, uh, there's a fantastic ecosystem by now of um, health related technologies in India or education solutions, both in India and in China, or things like um, uh, agricultural irrigation solutions or FinTech. Those are all things that are um, evolving very rapidly in uh, China and India. And it's, um, it's kind of partly because these are societies that are very open to change. And therefore, um, technologies can move fairly quickly from uh, an idea to a market. And those are, for me, very um, obvious targets for impact investing, because you can have a totally outsized impact for you know, whatever you do. Um, and you take the risks at, uh, and at the same time, because of the growth of these markets, these risks are not crazy. Yeah? So I think that's, uh, that's something that will happen. Now, the other thing in, in China and India uh, with so differing, differing degrees is that the capital markets don't really work that well yet. Yeah? So you don't have very deep um, private equity markets in both. And, and impact investing today is, is still primarily the preserve of, of private equity 
Um, it could move uh, more into public markets as well, and there are lots of uh, initiatives around that. But for today, it's still mostly private equity. Uh, and those markets are not very developed in, in China and India. So um, the transition that you're referring to in China and India will also be simply a, a transition of the market. It will be the growth of these uh, markets. So I can see um, uh, sort of impact investing playing a significant role in creating and growing the private equity markets in general in China and India. Because what you need is, is a bit of that pioneering spirit. The, uh, the issues that you encounter uh, are those that impact investors encounter elsewhere as well to do with information uh, and the like. Uh, and, um, and you are able with, uh, with you know, growing these markets to target impact in a, in a particularly good way. And then the mainstream investing will follow uh, once there's proof of concepts, once there's a degree of liquidity, once there's information and there's scale. Great, thank you for your insight. And I think let's now look at the more China-focused impact investing. And I will leave this part to my colleague, Evelyn. Um, thank you, Violet. Now let's zoom into China and discuss its development of impact investing. We have been seeing a wave of regulatory change and innovative thinking in China in the past few years. How do you foresee its future opportunities and challenges of impact investing? So I've touched on some of that uh, in, in you know, what we've said previously. Um, and I have to say again, I'm, I, I've not studied the Chinese impact investing market. I'm not able to, to tell you um, something very systematically, but I had a, a fantastic experience uh, in Shenzhen a couple of years ago. I was invited to give a talk at the China Philanthropy Institute which is in Shenzhen and it was uh, founded by Jack Ma together with Bill Gates. And um, they created something of, uh, you know, uh, akin to the giving pledge that you have uh, in the US. Uh, and from what I could tell, <laughs> created a, a very uh, dynamic and is a rapidly growing um, uh, in center with, with lots of uh, uh, people joining. So I gave a talk and there were some 25 or so uh, investors in the room. Uh, and that was the first and second generation that had made money in China. And it was really fantastic to see how they were focused on trying to achieve impact on trying to do purpose with their money. So they had, um, within a very short period of time, kind of moved from a purely materialistic approach um, to what I was saying er earlier about the generational change, uh, to catch on with the generational change and looking for broader social purpose. Uh, and there were lots of uh, really interesting ideas around the table for what, what these people wanted to do and how they wanted to go about uh, achieving impact. So 
without going into sort of the specifics of the particular sectors or, or what you would, uh, you know, how the market might evolve. I think the, the, um, th this market has real potential if you look at the willingness of, um, of uh, you know, wealth of people with money to uh, move in that direction. Uh, and that's a good sign. So it looks like there's a solid base of investors pushing into the sector that will give the market some depth. It will uh, end up creating the vehicles. Um, otherwise, I don't know uh, if there are any sectors that are better than others in China to investing. It must in the end reflect the values and preferences of the investing population in China. Uh, there's of course a lot of interest in the environment in China. Um, so uh, experiments with nature-based solutions and biodiversity. China has been a pioneer on, in areas like, uh, like blue investing. Uh, and um, now there's the, the, the big global summit on biodiversity in China. Maybe it will give some, some uh, further impetus to investing in this area. I can see this very well. Another area that I, I have always felt was at a, at a good point in China is uh, SMEs, uh, many SMEs that have been connected to uh, networks through these uh, platforms. Um, and, uh, and therefore there is sort of a, a, a basis for engaging with SMEs in a, in a very broad way uh, and impact investing that is focused on and technologies, uh, supply chain technologies and the like. Uh, it's probably a very interesting area. For sharing your very interesting experience in, in Shenzhen, in China. And as you have mentioned previously that um, the definition of impact investing has evolved to be much narrower in China than in the West, as it only refers to the early stage equity or debt investments to private social enterprises. Um, and investments in public stocks or debts are not considered as impact investing. So um, what would be the obstacles encountered by investors regarding this? Yeah, that's, um, that could be a real obstacle. Markets need definition. They need labels. If the label drives impact investing into a niche that is really philanthropic, uh, then um, it, it will hinder the growth of the market. So one very important thing in China, like elsewhere, is that um, the market uh, defines these labels, the taxonomies. Uh, you know, what is impact investing? Um, they could use these, these principles that I was talking about uh, that we developed the IFC together with many impact investors, the operating principles or something like them to, um, to help provide the guide, guide rails uh, to the market. Without such uh, guide rails, you can very easily, um, uh, so the, the, the market uh, would, would, would be sort of sliding into impact washing uh, or it wouldn't emerge at all. So uh, that's kind of the, the number one uh, issue is establish that label. Somebody has to go ahead. <laughs> uh, some institutions may want to go ahead uh, and do that. I know there's a similar, uh, there's similar work for green labels in China. Uh, and uh, this is also becoming tighter and more, more disciplined. There have been many different uh, green labels uh, in China 
there's now an effort to unify and, and make them more comparable to, to some of the international green bond principles, for instance. Uh, and something similar might happen in uh, other themed um, uh, markets uh, <clears throat> like impact. Um, so this is uh, for me the, the main advice that I would have in China. It is that uh, some actors have to go ahead and, and help to label, define that market. That's a very insightful perspective. And um, after that, would you mind giving some advice for our younger generation that who want to pursue careers in impact investing in the future? <laughs> look, I think uh, the main advice is that uh, they should go and take a very close look at impact investing. It's a very exciting place to be. You know, it's, uh, it's not just about going out there and making money. Uh, it's, uh, it's about uh, you know, having a purpose that uh, defines you. And as I, as I was um, quoting these surveys, it seems that your generation you know, has a lot of uh, purpose and has a lot of wish to, to have an impact. Uh, so this should be a really good place to be for any graduates uh, is to go into this direction. So this will be the end of today's episode. And thank you very much for taking your time with us. And it's good to learn from your insights and really appreciate your presence. Thank you. So it was a great pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Insight Podcast. To learn more about China Development Society, follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and WeChat.